This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to this week's No Name Ever podcast. I'm Jamie Smith and joining me today are James, Jordan and Kevin to talk about a couple of games, a no-no draw at Wolves and a home win against Fulham. We're also going to hear from a Wolves fan, Richard, from the Wolves fan cast and do a bit of a progress report on the squad ahead of the international break. But Burnley extended their unbeaten run to seven games, I think, in there. Picked up another clean sheet. Not particularly inspiring performance at Molyneux ground where traditionally we found it quite hard to get results over the years. Um, James, a bit of mourning about certain players in particular. George Boyd, the performance wasn't that inspiring, but still a good point. Um, yeah, I think, you know, they, they do say, don't they, when you go away from home, the objective sometimes is just not to lose. And um, I think Molyneux can be, you know, a tricky place to go. Historically, a tricky place for us to go. Um, but, you know, maybe we're just missing that little bit of luck. I think there's been a lot of games where, well, I've had me say it every week, almost every game, to be honest, where we've not really been quite at our best, but we managed to find a way to win. And, you know, I think if you go through these games and, you know, there's nothing, you know, maybe Gray doesn't get a good chance so um, you know, you don't get a wonder strike off the other Blackburn, then maybe it just ends up being nil-nil. Jordan, do you agree with that assessment? There's a suggestion from Richard, who we'll hear from a bit later, that both teams maybe were just satisfied with the draw from this game. Um, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, for us, it's um, it's a good point. It's another step in the right direction. Um, obviously, would have liked all three, but um, yeah, I think I wouldn't say both teams played for a point. I think both teams will will come out and say that they played for the, for the win. But um, I think Darch mentioned after the match that the pitch really wasn't conducive to to a good game of football, and certainly the way we play. So that may have been a factor. Um, but yeah, um, it's it's a good point. Um, you know. As you mentioned, we haven't had the best of records at Molyneux down the years. Um, but, you know, to go international breaks sort of unbeaten from since the last international break is obviously um, a good sort of marker for us, to, to use a Dutch term. So, um, yeah, obviously you want all three points, but a point away at Molyneux I don't think is a bad thing at all. Kevin, we touched on the unbeaten run going on there, but perhaps most important thing is a clean sheet. We've not had many this season, considering we're up at the top of the league. So although we've failed to score, and that doesn't happen very often, the clean sheet is something that we can build on. Um, yeah, and obviously the, the defence has been has been a strong point throughout Dice's tenure. Um, 
and and it's it's one of those things where you where you really need to build on. Um, and and we've been doing. I think we've been defend. I think I've mentioned a few times the last few things have been weeks. I think we've been defending really well, and I think that's been um, a big part of. Um, I think we while we're still maybe not one hundred percent as we keep saying. I think we we still are getting better all the time, and I think that that strong defense is is a really big part of that. And I think it's also helped, you know, by. Uh, Joey Barton coming in as well and giving us that solid mid- midfield unit because obviously we've talked a lot about how Scott Scarfield and, and David Jones just didn't really work as a, as a midfield duo uh, and obviously that affected the whole dynamic of the whole team um, and I think we've looked a lot more stable at both ends um, since Barton's come in um, not just because of his 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 talent but just the, the fact that we've got a much more balanced team now and um, and and yeah it's fantastic um, we're still uh, a couple of improvements to be made as well, which is even better. We talked about we were talking about Joey Barton before the we started recording the podcast. Actually, he was talking to the press at the weekend uh, about how um, Daesh wanted his, his game management to be one of the most important skills and making sure that we get the results that we, we deserve. Um, we were talking about the defence, James. There's been a couple of games where we've been quite comfortable and we've let one in but then seen it out but that is three three clean sheets out of the last six now during this little unbeaten run and another little stat as well Duff and Keane although they've played pretty much every minute they've only got three bookings between them so that's a sign of how well we're defending as a team at the moment yeah and I think particularly with the bookings I think that shows that um, you know the the defenders are reading the game well Um, because those bookings for centre-half tend to come when You've been completely beaten, and they just have to haul someone down, or you know, bad aerial challenges. But they're both playing really well. I think we've seen a few times. Maybe um, I think Bristol City was probably the the biggest example. Um, Michael Duff was a little bit beaten for pace at times there. Um, you know, I think if a team comes to us with a, a really fast front line, uh, we might see that as a little bit of an issue. But you know he's he's obviously got the uh, the football brain to read the play, which I think for the most part makes up for his his lack of pace. But the defense has been really you know really sound. Um, but I think that was to be expected to be honest, because we kept quite a few clean sheets last year, considering our situation and uh, the fact we got relegated. I thought we had a really good clean sheet total in the Premier League. Um, obviously Shackle's gone away, but I think Michael Keane is a you know more than capable player to slot back into the lineup at this level. Yeah, I think it's fantastic to see uh, Keane doing so well because I think we, you know, we've all seen the potential in him, and he was perhaps thrown into in the uh, in at the deep end last season a little bit, um, maybe not quite ready for the Premier League. Uh, but this season he's been fantastic, and I don't think he's hardly put a foot wrong. And I think playing alongside Duff, you can see him getting um, getting that knowledge across, and and he's picking up more experience all the time. And the only thing you say about is about Keane is where the goal's gone. He was our top goal scorer earlier. Now he's not scored in ages. It is a sh- he hit the bar, didn't he, a couple of weeks ago. It was very close. And then we spoke about, I think it was on last week's podcast, that they went straight on the other end and Duff scored an own goal. So it was a strange one like that. Um, Jordan, on the clean sheets, Hull, I think, have, have won four or five in a row without conceding a goal. It just shows that defensive solidity looks to be very important for success in the Championship this season. It doesn't look like a team are going to a blow other sides away 3-4-0 it's going to be more about being able to grind out results do you think that's that's a fair assessment? Yeah absolutely especially 
between uh, teams at the top end of the table. Um, when we went up a couple of years ago, we had, I think, the most clean sheets in the division and and one of the best defences, if not the best. So, yeah, it, it's, it's crucial, obviously, to any, ta- any side success. Um, and the start about the yellow cards is, is really surprising, but it just goes to show the, the discipline that we've got instilled at the minute. Uh, the fact that neither Michael Duff nor Michael Keane are getting into those positions where they're forced to make those rash challenges that maybe warrant or merit a, a yellow car, you know, that they're the defending with intelligence. Um, but yeah, defensive uh, solidarity is, is absolutely sort of the, the way forward. And it's quite a simple thing, obviously, in football. If you've got a good defence and a good attack, chances are you're going to win more games than, than you draw or lose. So it's a very simple formula, but. I think it's one that's difficult to sort of get right sometimes, but I think we're, we're certainly in the, in the right direction. And uh, having got three clean sheets from the last six, um, I think we can only go on now and, and start recording more and, and uh, yeah, just uh, recording more shutouts, hopefully. Really quick shout for Michael Duff as well, actually, because I think when we lost Shackle in the, in the summer, there were quite a few of us thinking, um, I think we, we, you know, we talked about it on the, on the podcast, was... At Duff's age, has he got has he got the legs in him to to be a, a first team regular still at, at, at this level? And okay, we're still we're only kind of a third of the way through the season, but I think he's he's not looked like a thirty seven year old or whatever he is so far. I don't think um, you just keep you just keep doing that. But obviously, we all wrote him off before Chelsea last season. It is ridiculous, isn't it? Like yeah. it seems to happen every season at the moment. The first few games last year, Shaka was the two of them that you would have thought was the one who was. Um, you know, reaching the end of his career, it's been you know incredible. I think to see him uh, defy the years. I'm guessing he's probably learnt a bit from uh, from from Alexander as well in terms of how you know how to keep himself fit and keep himself going. So obviously, he was the is the ultimate of that, wasn't he, Alexander? I think he was in ice baths after every match. And absolutely, and I think that yeah, the way the the sports science side of the game has come on will certainly help players like Duffy, who can go on for a few years. It's quite interesting as well. I think that he's. He's not being selected for Northern Ireland anymore. I don't think he ever retired from international football, did he? He always said that he'd play if he was ever needed. And you look at the players they've got, and it's a surprise he's not still in squads, I think. Obviously, they've got the Euros next summer, and he'd be 38. But I think it'd be a bit of a shame if he missed out, because I think what he's done over his career, his experience would be perhaps invaluable. Um, we'll come back and talk about Duff in more detail later in the podcast. Like I said, we're going to do a progress report on all the squad members, but we'll leave the Wolves game specifically there uh, to one side. We're going to talk about Fulham briefly a bit later, but I've also been speaking to Richard from the Wolves fancast, fellow FBA nominees podcast last year actually they beat us to the award and um, to find out what Richard had to say about the game and some of the, the ex-Wolves and Burnley players that were on show at the game at Monu on Saturday as well right joining us now we've got Richard from the Wolves fancast um, Richard what did you make of the game um, hi there uh, I think both teams cancelled each other out in the end um, it's a drab as anything first half I think second half it was a bit you attack we attack and kind of went quite end to end at some points even if it was quite slow but I mean I was happy with the point even though it was nil nil in the end I think it was probably the same for us it's, I think games yeah. games before the international break are always a bit strange because I don't think teams want to go in in the back of a defeat so yeah. a lot of teams tend to be quite happy with the draw Mm, I think sort of probably some sort of a player's perspective if they've been called up to a national squad then they kind of go a little bit half-heartedly sometimes to make sure we don't pick up any injuries as well. Uh, it's, it's been a bit of an up-and-down season for Wolves, hasn't it? You've not really got going yet, but 
I suppose you must be quite happy with the progress that's been made under Kenny Jacket. Yeah, I mean, this season's been a bit of a blip so far. I mean, after last season, um, I think sort of no one really kind of expects us to finish as high up. I think I was never fearing relegation, but I thought, you know, maybe a mid-table finish and to kind of be within goal difference of the playoffs or one point or whatever it was in the end was a really good achievement for the club. Then in the summer we lost, well, we lost one of our most creative players in Bakary Sacco, and then we lost one of our main strikers to injury, and we haven't really replaced either of them effectively. So we've kind of lacked a lot of the creative input going forward, um, which you kind of slightly saw on Saturday um, due to the fact that we didn't really score. And that's kind of been a standout point of our season, but we've looked very blunt when attacking, whereas last season we could kind of just sweep teams away if you know, we felt like it. Um, yeah, it's, it's not been often we've failed to score this season, actually, so Wolves must be quite happy with the way they defended in the game. Burnley fans certainly feel that we weren't really at our best, but what did you make of the, the Carrots' performance at the weekend? Um, I thought that I thought they gave a good display, to be fair. I mean, I think Wolves did well to keep Andre Gray quiet, who's been kind of scoring goals for fun um, recently. But, what I mean, at the same time, I don't think... They really troubled Wolves too much. I mean, we had Middlesbrough players a couple of weeks ago and they pulled us apart. And I think one thing I noticed with with the wingers, I think it was Boyd and Arfield, they kind of took quite inwards, which kind of played to our strength. And you kind of really didn't stretch us enough. And we didn't give any space for Andre Graham behind either. Um, But at the same time, we never, you know, defensively, you never look like you're going to concede. I don't think uh, you keep, Heaton really had a save to make, to be honest. So I think against a team who, I mean, we needed at least a point from the game. So we were always going to be fairly defensively solid. I think against a, a team who isn't that defensively minded, I can see why Burnley are doing so well in the league. There are a couple of ex-Wolves players in the in the Burnley side, of course, but... One player we had our eye on, and we talked about him on the podcast last week, is Kevin McDonald. He, he really seems to have started fulfilling the potential that we all knew he had, but his time at Burnley was was quite disrupted, shall we say? Yeah, I mean, you, say, uh, you can almost. I mean, I know there was that sort of famous incident of when he sort of stormed off at half time, and he still kind of got that. I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase this: is emotional insecure, emotional side of him. Um, and I mean, he got booked for descent on Saturday, and that kind of can happen quite a lot if he kind of starts to get frustrated about things. But I think he definitely matured at Sheffield United, um, and he kind of found, definitely. Found, I mean, he was a class beyond in League One for them and us. And I mean, if you see him play, he, he no one could get within about ten yards of him. Um, the last sort of year and a half at Championship level, he's found it tough at times and I think I've um after sort of about the first twelve games in the championship last season teams sussed him out and piled a lot of pressure on him and he kind of dropped off form and had to kind of go about looking at his game slightly differently and he's um but with sort of the players of like Benicophobia in front of him, they formed a really good partnership going into the second half of last season and he's kind of hit bits of form this season. But he's one of those where when he's on form, he's 
borderline unstoppable. Um, but it's trying to get 90 minutes out of him sometimes and kind of keeping him happy. That sounds very familiar. He's capable of, of greatness, I would say, but it's, it's yeah. consistency, isn't it? Um, yeah. And I mentioned briefly the, the Burnley players that used to play at Molyneux, Dave Jones, of course, but Michael Kiteley's probably the one that was best known. He had a, a good run of form at Wolves, but he had a bad injury afterwards, didn't he? And that seemed to disrupt his career. He's surprised that he's not really in favour at Burnley in the minute. He should be a very good championship winger on paper. Yeah, I mean, he did wonders for us. I mean, we signed him in 2005 or six. We signed him sort of around that period for 25 grand um, from Gray's Athletic. And he was an absolute revelation. And he did what he was great for us the season when he got promoted to the uh, Premier League. And I think he picked up an injury right towards the end of the season. And that kind of had a bit of a knock on effect for him. And he couldn't ever get going for us in the Premier League. And he picked up. Um, tendonitis and it kind of he almost had two years out of the game and his time at Wolves just completely stuttered he kind of put in a few performances and got a move to Stoke and then to you guys and I mean from what I've seen of him when you got when you got promoted and even when you were in the Premier League he was a decent winger so I'm not sure sort of what's going on to why he isn't fully in that team because I think he's got that dynamic edge I mean and that sort of drive to get to the byline which to be honest I didn't really see in Arfield who I'm not sure is a left winger to be honest Um, so I'd have been I'd have been more worried if I saw Kitely on the team sheet than I would have been seeing Arfield well James Bird will certainly be happy to (laughs) he's he's one of the fans of of Kitely's on our podcast Um, just finally then like I say it's been a bit up and down for Wolves this season but do you have expectations that you can push on a bit in the second half of the season if you put some results together? Maybe a place in the top half is realistic. Playoffs a bit beyond you this season. Yeah, I think that's definitely it. I mean, I don't. I'm not sure how it lies after um, the last game or so, but I mean, I think sort of a week or so ago we were six points off the playoffs, seven points off the relegation zone, and to be honest, I think that's kind of where we're going to end up this season. It's it's a bit of a transitional season. We've lost some key players, but there are definitely going to be three worse teams than us at the end of the season, I'd like to think. Um, if we can kind of get a couple of reinforcements in the window like anyone else, I mean, we've got Williamson on loan from Newcastle, who's been a really solid signing for us at the back. And if we can get a couple more creative players, then we might be able to push up for league. You know, you know what the championship's like. If you win three games on the bounce, you can, you know, really push on to sort of that next level in the league. Um but fingers crossed. I mean, if we can finish sort of tenth, I'll be happy. I mean, I'll be happy. Um, anywhere above sort of fourteenth, I think, would be a, not a good season, but it would be a average season at best for Wolves. And I think that's kind of the level I think I'm expecting us to be now. Well, best of luck, and hopefully you'll take some teams off, take some points off the teams around us further up the league. Yeah, well, we we seem to do well against the good teams this season. It's against the uh, lower side teams we haven't done too well. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks yeah. for joining us, Richard. Not a problem. Enjoy the rest of the season. Before the Wolves game, there was another home win for Burnley. We talked about how difficult it is to win back-to-back home games, but that's exactly what we did. A Saturday, Tuesday double, a 3-1 win over Fulham, completing an excellent week for the club going into the international break with three games unbeaten and seven points on the board. And Andre Gray made a slice of history, James, the only player in 100 years, apparently, to score braces in three successive home games for Burnley. It's, It's incredible the impact he's had in such a short space of time. 
Yeah, I but mean, he still hasn't got that hat trick. <laughs> no, he's still got that hat trick, and you know, I think he's been. Um, I think he's been, you know, a real breath of fresh air. Uh, he's been a little bit different, I think, to any sort of striker we've had recently. He's, you know, he's almost like a combination of sort of the Danny Ings type who can move and make a lot of his own chances, but also sort of the Charlie Austin type where he, he does finish stuff around the box. And um, you know, I think it was it against Huddersfield where he had the the goal from the ridiculous angle. I mean, I think that just shows that you know he's he's got a lot in his locker and um, he's really going to be invaluable I think um, as the season goes on but um, another brace for him and you know another time he was taken off early you know probably to protect him um, but I think you know it's scary he could have had even more goals you think about the you know the times of the game he's been taken off and you know the, the chances left and defence is tiring you know maybe he could have had uh, sort of a few couple of games where he scored three or four Another game where we've seen to have the game wrapped up, Jordan, but let one in. But Matt Taylor came on and showed how he's he's an important player for us, even though he's not started a lot of games. It's a few goals he's got from the bench already, and it's it makes such a difference, doesn't it, compared to the last couple of years where you've looked at the bench and there's not really been much there. The squad depth is is better than it has been for a long time, isn't it? When you've got a player like Matt Taylor with all that experience and game changing ability on the bench to come on and. And, and get goals that are going to make dif- make the difference in games and, and get extra points on the board. Yeah, someone like uh, Matty Taylor is a fantastic option to have from the bench uh, with all that experience, as you say, uh, and years in the top flight. You know, it is a is a superb sort of weapon to bring on, really. And it's not the first time he's come off the bench and scored for us this season. Um, and most of his goals have been really important. Obviously, the one against Fulham sort of really killed the game off. Although maybe we should have done it sooner in the match, but. It sort of put the crowd at ease, and, and there's been other goals where they've obviously earned us, you know, points or, or wins or whatever. So, uh, yeah, it's been really valuable to us. And um, Dutch has, has spoken a lot about, I think, substitutions and how he's been impressed with those that aren't making the team. Um, he's been impressed with sort of their mentality and their attitude in thinking, right, I'm going to come on, I'm going to sort of change the game, I'm going to make an impact. And, and credit to Taylor, he's been sort of the most obvious one who's done that. Um, but yeah, the Fulham game was one of those where we had a, a really productive first half. Uh, Fulham obviously got back into it, and there was obviously that tense period where you know they, they could have gone and got it an equaliser, but uh, just that sort of instinctive finish, that little flicking at the near post, and all of a sudden it sort of puts everyone at ease. And you know, I, I wouldn't say it's a typical Taylor goal as normally battering them in from 30 yards out, but you know, we're, we're taking a goal how it comes. But uh, yeah, I've, I've got a lot of sort of credit for Taylor because I think he's a really important player um, be it off the bench or in the starting 11 I think it's a really good option to have as well it's a really exciting thing because I think ever since day one of, since since uh, Sean Dyche came in even throughout the promotion season we've, we've, we've criticised him quite heavily for his, his inability to change games and his the, the, the lack of different options we've had of the bench um, he's, he's been quite reluctant to use subs throughout his time at Burnley and even when he has made subs, have often been like for like changes. Um, but this season's been very different in that Taylor has been able to come off off the bench and really change games quite often. And I, I think that's probably the first time we've we've had somebody who's been able to do that um, in in Dyche's time. There was a couple of times when Stanislas was off the bench and he'd come on uh, and make a bit of a difference, um, but certainly not the anywhere near the impact that Taylor's having. Sorry, Jamie. Um, so yeah, it's it's a real plus point, and it's, like I say, I think it's going to be a really really important uh, plus point as well because 
it's great to have that stability which Sean Dyche has, but there are always going to be games where you need something a little bit different, uh, and that's what Taylor's brought time and time again this season. It was interesting um, reading Dyche's comments after the the full game. He doesn't often say insightful things to the press, and I think we've we've talked about this on the podcast before. But he said um, the the second half it wasn't quite right, and we we've talked about that on the podcast before, James. But it's it's reassuring that Dyche is fully aware that there's more to come and the importance of putting a 90 minutes together and maybe not thinking that, that games are won as soon as you got 2-0 up. Yeah, I think we've seen, I think with his comments all season that um, he feels there's, there's more work to do with the team and um, it's hard to argue that because as we've said time and again, we, we've not really played at our top level and sometimes we have shown glimpses of it and then maybe we haven't for sort of the second half or you know for half an hour spells and um, we we haven't really been punished yet for, for not playing at our top level. And part of that's down to the fact we found ways to win, which obviously you know our players should be uh, patted on the back for. But on the other hand, it's sometimes teams just haven't taken opportunities of us maybe not being at our best. But you know, if the gaffer knows um, that there's work to be done and it's still a long season, then you know, imagine the sort of side we could be. You know, come uh, March, April time. Okay, the next thing I want to talk about is some comments made by Ipswich Town manager Mick McCarthy. A lot of promotional experience from the Championship, Mick McCarthy. And he says um, there's four teams that are already certain of finishing in the top six. And the four teams he's named are Middlesbrough, Hull, Derby and Burnley. Interesting that he didn't mention Brighton, who are the only unbeaten team in the Championship, still in second place despite... Um, their form dropping a bit recently. John, do you think that's a fair assessment? He's pretty much just named four of the, the favourites from the start of the season, but we spoke on the podcast before about how the league table is starting to shape up, and do you think those four teams are, are the outstanding promotion candidates at this stage? Um, I'd think so, yeah. I mean, what McCarthy said, it's hardly groundbreaking, um, but um, yeah, you'd sort of say... They're, they're sort of the main main stars that, that look good to go up. Obviously, you, you mentioned Brighton as well, and uh, you know the thing with Brighton is it could be a case similar to ourselves a couple of years ago where they've obviously had a really good start and people keep on expecting the, the wheels to fall off, but they just keep on plugging away. So um, it it will be interesting to see how it all pans out. But um, I think anyone would be very surprised if sort of none of those teams were certainly. Um, just you know, outside the playoffs, but yeah, you'd expect at the least that's where they would be. You know, you'd expect those four teams to make up the top six, seven, or eight teams in the division. So um, yeah, I certainly think that that we've got what it takes to sort of go the distance. Obviously, having been in this position before, um, Derby, who have struggled in recent years to sort of make that final step, uh, you know, they sort of gather momentum now. Um, and Hull have started well and, and, and Borough as well so yeah as I say there's, there's nothing groundbreaking about those teams but um, I think the real question is from those teams who can go automatically and who will have to settle for the playoffs but um, it will be interesting that's for sure Yeah I think he's I think he's right about three of the four because he has forgotten Derby's classic collapse and um, I think as a result they could end up seventh and even if they make it they're guaranteed to lose in the playoff final anyway aren't they so You'd think so. It's, it's, I think it's a psychological thing with Derby, isn't it? And yes, they've got a new manager and they've got a lot of new players again. But sometimes it, it's something inside the club, isn't it? And even and if they're, the new, uh, a new Preston, I was going to say, possibly, it'd be like, yeah. You know, certainly, if if we were to get Derby in the playoffs, you'd certainly fancy us to put them away. 
What about Brighton, though? It's, it's A lot of people seem to be not necessarily writing Brighton off, but discounting them from the from the, the talk of promotion at this stage. But they're, they're unbeaten in 16 games. That's that's a big achievement. Teams don't often go on runs like that in the Championship. and They've not yeah, conceded think, a lot of goals. I think the next few weeks are going to be really telling for Brighton because obviously they've had a fantastic start. Um but the last four or five games, um, I think we've struggled to pick up pick up wins. We've got quite a few draws. They've only won one in the last four. Yeah, exactly. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they recover now after, after the international break. And that'll be telling for the rest of the season, I think. If they go on and win the next two after the international break, then I've, I've no doubt that they'll be up there um, come the end of the season. Um, if not, if, if they keep drawing or if they even pick up a defeat, then it could be a sign that it was a fantastic start. Um, but that's all it was. Um, I, think, I think part of it with Brighton is they're a little bit sort of under the radar. Um, you know, I, I don't think many people would have picked them in the uh, free to go up at the beginning of the season. As a result, you know, they maybe have been a bit of a surprise package. And as we said, the you know the winds are drying up now, and I think it's about now that people really start to pay attention to what teams are doing. You know, early in the season, it's it's all lost some of the chaos of uh, the season started. Um, so sometimes those good runs at the very beginning of the season go a little bit unnoticed. The international breaks. It, this I think this one comes at a particularly interesting time as well, doesn't it? It's the last one before before Christmas. It's a long slog through to the next break now, and Brighton have got two weeks now to think about how well they've done, but they've got to keep that momentum up. And now I think teams will start to think of them as more of a threat and someone to fire at, and they'll be in that same sort of bracket as teams like us and Hull and Borough and Derby, where teams go there, maybe sit back, try and just nick a point. And also, they're a bit of a scalp now because they've done so well. I think um, Chris Hewton deserves a, a lot of credit, uh, really. I think in his, I read somewhere before that in his in his full seasons in charge of the Championship, um, clubs he's managed, he's never finished below sixth, I think. Um, which is, is a good record, really, and... Um, obviously they face us in, I think in the first game after the international break and I sort of always think back to the QPR game the famous one a couple of years ago and um, you know how we sort of ended there and beaten start and I think we're capable of doing the same but you know I think Brighton just seem to be I don't think they're scoring laws but they're not conceding a lot either they just seem to be sort of grinding out wins and, and that could be a particularly good trait to have especially um, in the months to come as you say over the, the hectic Christmas period but I think Hewton deserves a lot of credit, uh, but unfortunately, I don't think we'll sort of extend our uh, our hospitality too much uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, I expect us to, to beat them, hopefully. It will be a, a big game for both sides, and we'll talk about that on the next podcast, which will be after the international break, so it'll be after Brighton. Um, but the main thing we're going to do on this week's show, because it is the international break, so it's a good time to do a bit of a recap and have some reflection on how the season's going so far. We're going to do a progress report for each of the players and the manager who've been involved so far. So we're going to go through the panel for each player and we're going to do a quick um, assessment of how we all think each player's doing and also give a grade, are your school grades or A plus to, let's say, F. I don't think anyone will get an F, but we won't go any further down than that. So we'll start with the skipper, Tom Heaton, obviously. James, how do you think he's done so far this season? I think it's four clean sheets, is it? Yeah, and I think I think goalkeeper is possibly the hardest position to to rate as well, isn't it? Because um, there's there's more factors in it than just individual performance. I think goalkeeper goalkeepers can look bad if they've got a particularly bad defence in front of them, because obviously, see a lot of shots, probably concede a lot of goals, but. Um, 
Tom Heaton's been solid, as you said. There's you know quite a few clean sheets in there, so I'm going to say you know he's a nice solid B. Jordan, yeah, I'd, I'd go with that. I think uh, a B is about right. Uh, he's obviously assumed the captain to the season, and he seems to just thrived in it. You know, he's a vocal shot stopper, and um, I think he's sort of pulled off the saves you'd expect him to, and maybe one or two that you wouldn't as well. So. Is uh, is dependable. Uh, I think his time with England has certainly been a great benefit to him and and, and therefore the club. Uh, but yeah, I think a, a B is about right. Just um, very consistent and very solid. You know what you're getting with with Tom Heaton, I don't you, Kevin, and the fact that he's an England international. Well, he's been in the squads but not played yet. It just shows how important he is to us. Uh, definitely, yeah. and I'm I'm going to be a little bit more generous and give him give him. Either a B plus or, or kind of a low A purely because for a couple of reasons. One, I think he's uh, he's well. It's hard to judge him too much, like James said, because I don't think he's actually had that much to do this season, which is a credit to to uh, to the way we've been playing. But also that's kind of partly to him as well. I think he's organised the defence very well, uh, particularly because we know Michael Keane's not got a lot of experience. Um, so I'm, I'm sure Tom Heat has done very well, uh, good job in in organising defence. But also just through captaincy, I think we've mentioned how we've found a way to win and we've been grinding out results. Um, and I think you know you've got to give the captain some credit there because that is one of his, that's one of his jobs is to is to get you know is, is look after that team spirit and get us fighting on the pitch. So I'm going to give him a few a few points purely for his uh, for his captaincy as well. I think we're all agreed that it's about a B for Tom Heaton. Then we'll say a C is about par for the for the purposes of this exercise, and C is obviously a pass. So we'll say C is like minimum expectations, and worse than that's bad, and better than that is good, roughly. Uh, so we'll move on to the right back ten day directly. We stopped talking about Matt Walton replacing him in the team, which must show that he's he's really started to nail down that place and be a firm fixture, James. Yeah, I've been really impressed with him. You know the way he stepped up. Um... You know, yeah, big boots of fill as well in Kieran Drippier, and I think, obviously, there's no doubt we would have definitely scored um, more goals, I think, with uh, Kieran Drippier right back, because his crossing was second to none. Um, but we've seen evidence there that Derek was, could turn out in a sort of similar level to Drippier. Um, and his defensive player, I don't think has been as bad as Trippier's was when he first came. So, um, you know, he's doing a solid job. He's keeping the experienced guy at the side. Um, so I'm going to give him a B plus for the, the, the plus just for exceeding that, you know, probably expectation of him coming from a lower level. Jordan, you're up next. Yeah, uh, I think Derek Quay, I'm going to give um, an A because I've been really, really impressed. I think he's been magnificent since he came in, and uh, defensively he's been very good going forward. He's been he's been very good as well. Um, a couple of assists, I think, and the odd goal here and there. So yeah, for me, he's been been really good he doesn't give up on, on lost causes um, his determination and sort of uh, resilience is just admirable really and I think he's just slotted in seamlessly and as you say the fact that we're not talking about Matt Lawton who was a, a, a Premier League defender not so long ago the fact that he's not being mentioned coming into the team now just good, just goes to show sorry how well Derek was doing so yeah an A for uh, Derek with me Kevin um, I think if I was to give Derek an A it would probably be just on playing above what we expected of him. Um, obviously, he's coming. He's been a revelation because we, we, nobody expected. I don't think even himself he expected to be in a team, but he's, he's done so well. Um, but there are still lots of areas for improvement. Like James said, um, he's 
he's, he's certainly not as, as bad defensively as, as Trippier were, was when he when he first came in. Um, but there's still quite a few shaky moments where you think, whoa, whoa, what, what's going on there? Um, so I, I find it hard to give him an A, but I'm going to I'm going to give him a B plus purely because he's he's been fantastic down at right hand side and um, and I think the area for improvement I think he is improving on as well. B plus then for for Derek Rowe, I'll go on with that. Michael Duff next. We've spoke about him already on the podcast tonight, but James so impressive how he just keeps on delivering at 37 and he could just keep on going forever. He's going to be extremely hard to replace. Yeah, as I said earlier, I think the you know, the only game where he looked like he might struggle a little bit was Bristol City when they had a lot of pace up front. And, um, you know, he's, he just keeps going. And I I, I think, um I've heard it said a few times that maybe his cruciate knee injury quite a few years ago now has actually, you know, helped his career because I think that might have been a, a sea change, you know, in, in how he's conditioned himself since. And it, it's paying off now because he's, you know, looking in good shape. He's, he's still going. He can still play week in, week out. So I think I've got to give him an A just on... Um, you know, to, to have that level of performance at his age is um, pretty much you know as good as it comes. You can't ask for more, can you? Kevin, the elder statesman of the Burnley team, um, definitely an A for me. I think he's he's been absolutely outstanding. I think it's interesting to note as well that actually earlier in his Burnley career, when he was perhaps you'd expect him to be at his prime, is is when he was struggling to get in the team a little bit, and he was maybe playing at right back a few times and struggling to get in at the centre. He's got better and better as as he's gone on I think the older he gets yeah, it's fantastic I, I, definitely an A for me it's really strange I, we, like I said we mentioned it earlier but there's been a few seasons where he's he's not been in the first 11 that a lot of fans will put down but he's had a place in the side and then it's just it's just not an issue after that no one ever talks about dropping Michael Duff um, Jordan an A for Michael Duff would you go along with that yeah full house um just very consistent. I don't think he's dropped a level for for a good while now. He's just sort of been at that steady level, and it's um, really helped sort of bring Michael Keane on as well alongside him. So uh, yeah, full house of A's, I think. Michael Duff gets the first A of the podcast, then B's for Heaton and Derricka Duff gets the first A. Michael Keane, then James, start the season on fire. Maybe performances levelling off rather than dropping off but not quite catching the eye as much as he did earlier is that just because he's not scored for a while uh, yeah I think that's fair to say you know I, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing um, generally if your centre halves are being um, noticed too much it's because they're either scoring which is you know good or they're uh, being particularly bad at defending which is obviously not good I think he's you know been really solid he stepped into big boots when Shackle left and um, I think he's carrying on showing the promise that we saw last season when he, he had a spell starting. Um, so I'm going to give him a B plus. We don't want to worry too much about losing players at this stage, but John, he's obviously a player with a, a very big future. Yeah, uh, I think uh, Rio Ferdinand tweeted not so long ago, so three top uh, young English centre-halves and, and Michael Key made the grade, so... Uh, that's not bad to receive praise from someone like Ferdinand but yeah um, I would give him a uh, I think I'd give him a B plus I think yeah he's been very very good Um, obviously had to sort of replace Shackle um, but he's he's done so with minimum fuss um, rose to the challenge and he's a a very very good uh, defender at this level Kevin round us off on Michael Keane yeah again it's got to be an A for me Um, we've been defending very well Tom Heaton's had very little to do. 
and he's got some excellent goals as well. And he could easily have had a couple more. I think he's hit the crossbar at least once and come very close once or twice more. Um, so without a doubt, an here for me. I think I'm going to agree with with Kevin. I think the goals um, have made a difference for me, and it's sort of rare for us to have had a defender that we can count on as a regular goal scorer. I think it's an extra dimension to the the team we've not really had. So I think an A an A minus for for Keane just under Duff is fair. Um, Kevin, I think Keane. I think Keane helped kick kick start our season as well. So he scored the goals when we weren't scoring goals at the start of the season. And if he'd not goals, if you know, if he'd not scored those, then we could have got a few defeats. Confidence could have dropped, and who knows what happened. So I think his 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 role at the start of the season is uh, is has been crucial. You don't have to convince me. I've already sided with you. <laughs> it's it's done. It's an A minus. He's not going higher than that. We'll stick with you, Kevin, for Ben Me. Uh, ben Me, um, maybe oh, maybe a C plus. Um, I don't think he's been he's been outstanding. He's probably one of the. Uh, of the team that's starting at the moment, I think he's probably been the the least outstanding, but he's not been poor. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I know I know Jamie, you you're a big fan of of Ward, but I, I'm more than happy with with me and the team. Uh, but he's probably caught the eye less than anybody else. I, I don't have a problem with Ben Me. I just think Stephen Ward's better going forward and would add something new to the team. But I'm I'm a stuck record on that. <laughs> Jordan, what's your assessment of Ben Me? Yeah, uh, I think I would give him a just a solid B, uh, B for Ben. <laughs> um, Brilliant. <laughs> That's the insight uh, you get on the Non Ever podcast. A B for Ben. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think Ward is the better of the two, and with Ward in the side, I would feel. Um, a lot, a lot better, I think. But that's no sort of disservice to, to Ben. Me, I think he's been been good this season. Uh, as Kevin said, hasn't been one one of the outstanding players, but by no means does that mean he's been poor for us. So um, yeah, I'd, I'd certainly give him a, a, a solid B uh, to, to match his performances. James, Ben, me. Um, I'm going to give Ben me a, a B as well. I think he's, uh, B for Ben. Uh, B for Ben. B for Bants. <laughs> I think you know what you're getting with Ben Mee. Um, reasonably good going forward. Reasonable defender. Has the occasional moment where maybe he loses his man a little bit. But, you know, overall, um, not a bad championship left back. Also, B for bookings. Um, yellow cards are my favourite stat at the moment. He's got three, which is the most booked of the back line. Um, so we'll, I think we'll say a, a B- minus overall for Ben Mee. I agree with Kevin that is. Just what you'd expect from Ben Mee, not particularly good, not particularly bad. Uh, moving on to the midfield then, David Jones, solid as ever in midfield. He's taken a bit of stick from some people though, James. I think he's um, he's, he's the type of player who's always going to get a stick from, uh, from some people. You know, he tends to pass sideways and, you know, if there's two things about Burnley fans, it's that they like runners and they hate passing sideways. So, um, I think that's mainly where his stick comes from. At that and his, his one-footedness. Um, you see when opposition players put him under pressure and he, he spins on the spot to try and find a way he can get rid of it with his left foot. I think that does frustrate some fans. But, you know, he's, he's been solid. And I think particularly since uh, Barton came in, you know, I think the two of them look really good together. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Dean Morney because obviously we, we all know the effect he normally has on the team. He's a real catalyst. Um, so I'm going to give Jones a, a B. He's been solid, but he's he's... He's the type of player I think he's never going to really warrant much more than a B. He just does, you know, what he has to do in the middle, and he doesn't really do much above it. Jordan, what are your thoughts on on 
Dave Jones, we've obviously talked on the podcast a lot about how he had to almost carry the midfield before Barton came into the side because Scott Arfield wasn't a particularly good fit for his partner. Yeah, um, I think since Barton's come in, uh, the two have worked really, really well and, and David Jones is just uh, very experienced, a wise head on his shoulders, um, can pick out a pass, although as James said, it can often be sideways, but he can often just sort of you know find little gaps and, and he's got very good vision generally, I think. So, um, yeah, I'd give him a B as well. Um, little fuss. I mean, the one thing you could say is maybe one or two more goals to his game, but he's not there to do that primarily. He's there to sort of keep things tidy, you know, drop deep, pick the ball up and, and spin and look for four, four moving players. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd just give him a B. Um, and, yeah, I think that's that's a fair mark, I think. Well, what I'd say for, for Jones is that you know what you're getting. It's similar to Ben Mean that you never has a bad game really he never has a particularly good one either he's just a, a very solid player I compare him quite a lot to Tony Grant in that he's very safe in possession he uses the ball well and he, he's highly reliable Kevin yes yeah yeah he is he's um he's 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 Mr. Reliable and I think actually I think like we like you said Jamie I think some of the stick he gets is is, is unwarranted I think actually he's been he's been coming forward quite a bit more more than, than previously this season I think I've not looked at the stats but Maybe perhaps other, other than um, Gray, I think he's probably been involved in in most in more goals than anybody else this season. Um, he's he's had a few assists from from corners and balls that have come back from corners, and he's he's actually had you know a few assists or indirect assists, whereas he's been involved in goal, whereas we've played some really good balls forward as well. So you know he's got this reputation of playing sideways passes, but I think he's. You know, I can think of at least three goals where he's played a really insightful um, ball forward, and it's been picked up and then, and then put in. So, um, yeah, it's a B for me. Uh, I think he's been very impressive. B's across the board, just like my GCSEs. Fun fact for you there. I mean, the thing about Jones, he's been at the club a while now. He's one of the, the longest-serving players, and everyone's already made their mind up. He's not going to do anything that's going to change anyone's mind. Everyone knows what to expect from him. So, B's for Dave Jones. Um, Scott Arfield next then. Four bookings, by the way, for Scott Arfield. This, this is all the stats I've remembered. Most in the team, and he'll, of course, miss a game if he gets a fifth booking. James, sees, he seems a lot happier on the wing, doesn't he? Even though... Um, me and you have clashed time and time again over whether or not he's actually a central midfielder. Um, he may play better, but I know he <laughs> I know that he himself believes he's a centre midfielder as well. Um, but yeah, I think he's you know he has been better since being on the wing. I still think maybe Cartley could be aggrieved, but I'm going to give Arfield a, a B plus just for the just for the goal at Ewood. Really, that's the plus and. Um, I think, to be honest, if he did nothing else all season, he'd still have had a good season, wouldn't he, because of that? It's certainly worth an extra grade or two, maybe. Kevin, he's linked up well with Andre Gray in the last couple of games. He's got a couple of assists, and that partnership's going to be crucial moving forward. Yeah, um, I'm, he's not a central midfielder. I think Leon Court thought he was a Premier League footballer, but it doesn't make him one. Oh! Um, it's hard to judge Arfield, because he's, he's been a... Jekyll and Hyde almost in that he's been it's been a season or two halves for Arfield hasn't it yeah his his former when he was in central midfield was um, well poor I'd say Um, not not, that's not a criticism of him as such because like I say he's just not a central midfielder but I think since he's been out on on the wing he's been doing uh, much better he's looking a lot more comfortable and 
I, I just think he looks a little more comfortable out there. He can come in, he can come inside um, and, and play those, those attacking balls, but without the pressure of having to keep the shape of the midfield as he did earlier in the season. Um, and obviously, he's got um, um, a goal, which was a, a pretty decent goal, I think. Um, you probably, if he'd been playing on the wing all season, you'd hoped him to, him to have a few more than that one goal. Um, but I think that one goal that he would probably makes up for uh, three or four goals he might have had otherwise. Um, so I'm going to give him a C minus purely. I, I, I might have gone no, sorry, I'm going to give him a C um, plus. It might have been a C <laughs> for the uh, Beewood goal. Talk yourself around there, <laughs> Jordan. Yeah, um, I think our field has, has been a different place since we moved back out wide and. Um, I think I'm going to give him a B plus as well. Uh, plus, obviously, being that goal, um, we know we can weigh him with with valuable goals. Um, and yeah, just out wide, it, it, it's weird because I mean, when you think of your, your typical wingers, your flying wingers, I wouldn't really sort of put Arfield in that bracket. But yet, him out wide, it just seems to sort of work. And I think his versatility is good. He can play anywhere across midfield, left, right, through the middle. So. Um, yeah, I think a, a B plus is a fair assessment, but uh, yeah, that goal I think has certainly ensured he'll uh, he'll live long in the memory. It's going to be a, a B overall for Scott Arfield, then partly because I, I don't rate him as central midfield, so I feel harsh about rating him down for that. And that goal at Ewood um, certainly seals his place in Burnley history. I would say um, Joey Barton next, then Burnley unbeaten since he came into the side and. Well, we've talked about Barton on the podcast every week since he's come into the side. He's really starting to win people around anyone who had doubts, James. Starting to put those to one side for St. Joey, as I like to call him. Yeah, I'm going to give uh, Joey an, an A-. minus. I think he's, um, you know, he's like you say, he's won people around. I don't think anyone really needed convincing on the football side of things. I think it was down to, to temperament, but, you know, he, he looks a, a long way away from the Joey Barton that, you know, left the pitch at the Etihad in um, less than dignified circumstances a few years ago. Um, he just seems like such a, a calm influence on the ball. Uh, you, you know the way he manages the midfield. I think he's you know he's exceptional, and um, it, it, I think it's a real uh, impressive piece of business by Dash to convince someone who was you know on the money bottom was on previously to buy into our wage structure and you know come play with us. Jordan, what are your thoughts on Joey Barton? Yeah, I'm going to give him a, a straight A. I think he's, he's looked a, a cut above the rest since he came in. Um, I don't mean sort of necessarily his teammates, but other teams. Just he's got this presence when he gets the ball that that very few players in this division have, and he just loses that bit of quality. Um, Black Jones, his passing is, is very good, very accurate, and he's got very good vision. Um, and I think his temperament is, is obviously the big thing. It's his sort of baggage he's carried around with him for, for most of his career. But I think over the past few, past couple of years, sorry, um, I think he's certainly set, certainly settled down a bit. And I think one or two players have tried to rattle his cage, but I mean he's just sort of risen above it and and got on with things. You know, it, it, there's been very little to write about him in terms of uh, controversy. It's just been very much uh, straightforward with Barton and. Um, yeah, I think he's been absolutely brilliant for us, an absolute master stroke, and uh, yeah, so it's a, a straight air from me. Perhaps the the key with Barton, Kevin, is that all this talk we we constantly go on about his temperament on the podcast, but there's been nothing from his performances so far to to warrant that at all. Uh, quite the opposite, I think. Like Jordan said, he's been he's been a model pro, to be honest. Absolutely, throughout his, throughout his career, he's he's always been he's, been, he's always been targeted. 
you know, players will come up to it. He, he he's the, the one who opposition will want to wind up um, because we know if 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 they can wind him up, then they potentially can get the biggest rewards out of him. Um, but I think having that throughout his career, he he's learned how to deal with it. And far from being a temperament issue, I think he's been outstanding in that in, in that respect, as he has been on the ball. Um, he's he's made a huge difference to the team, I think, and I've got to give him an A plus. I think he's been, um, other than Gray, I think he's been our, our best player so far this season. Spoilers uh, for what's coming up. <laughs> it's going to be an A from bottom for me because I think he can add goals to his game, and I think that would be really beneficial to have more goals coming from midfield. I think we were right to pick our field out someone who could contribute more. Jones as well. And certainly, um, I'm sure we'll come on to Boyd, but I think Barton's got goals in him maybe from set pieces, and we'll see those later in the season. So we're here for Joey Barton. George Boyd, just mentioned him there. Um, again, getting pelters on social media because of his, his perceived poor performances, and it's certainly not been the George Boyd we were expecting to see this season, James. Yeah, George Boyd, I think he's been um, been very disappointed. I think we spoke you know, early in the season about how... Um, he he could be such a good force in in the championship. You know we saw you know, how his work rate was in the Premier League, and you assume that if he translated that work rate into the championship, it'd bring more than just you know defensive accolades, and uh, you'd really expect to see more goals and add to what he did last season. And I think he's had a few chances to score this season. You know he's he's um, I think he's hit the post a few times. You know when he's looked dangerous in, in very small spells, but. I'd say overall he's been very disappointing and I'm going to give him a D on that basis. I think it's 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 really hard because Boyd's been a fan favourite but he's just not doing it and I don't think he can dress that up. Um, I was talking to Michael Connell who's, who's been a contributor to Non and Everybody, Boyd earlier on Twitter News House. He does absolutely nothing except run up his pro zone stats. I've never seen a player run so much to do so little. And then he added, the thing is, before he became a pro-zone celebrity, he was a good player, I'd strap him in front of his Peterborough highlights. Um, John, is it a question of expectations? We're all expecting him to be one of the best players in the league, and it's just not been there. Is it confidence? What, what's been wrong with George Boyd? Uh, it's difficult to put a finger on it, really, because you, you expect when a, a player drops down a division, you expect them to obviously stand out more than what they did at a higher level you know if they were good in the Premier League then you'd think he's going to be great in the Championship but it just hasn't worked for him yet and I don't really know why that is I don't know if it's because players might have seen his, all his running and his endeavour last season and, and thought you know we need to sort of stop him and, and nullify his threat um, I looked before doing the podcast that uh, the, the game that he's missed this season the only one is the Nottingham Forest game which um, we obviously salvaged a point from just uh, at the end so um that could have obviously ended in defeat and I think if it had done it would have perhaps raised questions that although he hasn't been effective going forward that defensive work rate is still a bonus for us but obviously we did get a point so it sort of brushed over it I've, I've just been a bit yeah, disappointed with, with Boyd um, he's obviously scored the winner against MK Dons earlier on in the season it was a good finish but there's just been something missing and I, I don't really know what can be done to sort of rectify it I mean I suppose one of the most obvious solutions is to, to maybe drop him and bring Taylor straight in um, you know, why should we wait until I, I, I've seen it mentioned on Twitter? Why should we wait until the defeat to maybe change things? So um, I think it might just be a case of taking out the firing line um, and yeah, maybe using him as a sub for a few games and hoping that can sort of spark uh, an impact from him. But I'd give him, I think, uh, a C. I think for George Boyd. 
I think you've been quite generous there. I think a C would be if he'd been contributing, and I don't think he has. Um, I thought the MK Dom's goal was going to be a turning point for Boyd, but it, it just hasn't. Um, Kevin, what what do you think the problem is with George Boyd? Um, oh, yeah, I've I've been I've been really disappointed with Boyd. I think I've said a few times I'd I'd love to see um, Taylor come in for him, um, but I don't think Dice is going to make that change anytime soon. He doesn't like changing things. Um, but yeah, I think we all expected him to be one of those players who was not quite good enough for Premier League, but too good for Championship. Um, and it's just not happened. It, it's it's a, a, a definite definite D for me. I think he's been hugely disappointing. It, it, it's hard to give someone a D when we're we're doing so well as a team. Um, but I think we're doing so well as a team despite him um, rather than um, because of him. I agree. I think it's a D from me as well. I think he should be one of the top players in the league. I was thinking 10 goals, 10 assists, and I didn't think I was being particularly ambitious for Boyd, but it's just not happened for him, and hopefully we'll see the Boyd that we all we all know is in there at some point. Um, moving on to the strikers, then we'll just Sam Volks first. He's, he's obviously not scored a lot of goals, but signs that that partnership with Gray is really coming on, James, and that's going to be important all season. Yeah, I think you know we've seen um, we've seen hints that that there's the right connection there being being drawn between the two of them. Um, I think it's still obviously uh, Gray doing the lion's share of the work. Um, but Volks obviously had the, the good header early on in the season as well. So, um, you know, there's glimmers there, but I don't think he's quite back to promotion season, uh, Sam Volks. And we saw that last season, he looked a little bit rusty. I think he still is a bit, but, you know, that, I think that'll come with games. So for the moment, I'm just going to give him a C plus. Kevin, what are your thoughts on Sam Volks? I'm, I'm finding it difficult to add anything to what James has said very, very rarely. He's definitely not at promotion season level. Um, but I think he's been linking up with Gray very, very well. Um, they've got a really strong partnership forming. Um, I'd like to see him adding some more goals to his game. Um, uh, you know, we don't want to be rel- relying on, on Boyd. On, so not on Boyd, we're not relying on Boyd. We're certainly not relying on Boyd. We don't want to be relying on Gray quite as much as we are doing. Uh, and hopefully those goals will, will return to his game um, soon. I think he's been unlucky on a couple of occasions. I think he had um, a couple of decent opportunities against Fulham where he, could, he on another day, would have gone in. Um, but, yeah, I think he's 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 done well. And it's a, it's a B for me. I think it would have been higher if he'd got those goals because I think he's he's linking up well with, with Gray. But I, I, I don't think we can give him any higher with um, with our goals at the moment. Jordan, he's got the Euros to look forward to next summer, of course, and he's not in the team at the moment. So that's something that's it's surely going to focus him for the rest of the season. Although, obviously, getting promoted with Burnley will be his main goal. He's got that to keep an eye on as well. Yeah, he hasn't had, um, obviously, anywhere near as many goals as he maybe would have liked. But I think one thing about Vox is that... Um, well, I wrote a piece about uh, Andre Gray a couple of weeks ago and I just sort of mentioned in it how maybe important Vox is to his strike partner in a two. Um, maybe it's quite understated and maybe we don't know because, you know, Gray hasn't really... I don't think he's played without Vox, actually, but, um, you know, I think Vox is a vital part of what Gray does. Um, we saw, I think, for the goal against Suddersfield uh, from open play where Vox just played through this, this brilliant pass and he's got that in his locker. I'd say his vision imp- has improved massively. just sort of linking up with, with his fellow uh, striker and, and just you know finding those pockets of space but um, I think there'll come a time when Vox grabs a goal and I think um, that'll just sort of open the floodgates and I hope that he can just sort of go on a, a good run uh, if he gets if he gets a goal um, but I think I'm going to give him a B- this season 
a B minus overall for Sam Wilson. And I think one thing to point out is that a couple of years ago, it was quite rare that Ings and Volts were both scoring at the same time. They tended to, when one was having a little bit of a dry spell, the other one would step up. There weren't that many games when both of them scored, and there weren't that many little runs of matches where they were both scoring regularly. So maybe that'll be the case when Gray has a couple of games where he doesn't score, maybe Volts will score there. Um, Gray was talking about how he's, he's neighbours with Sam Volks now. They've obviously got a good relationship off the pitch, but Andre Gray, we can't really pra- praise him enough, can we, James? He cost a lot of money, even if it was not the £9 million it's constantly reported, but it's hard to argue that he's not been worth every penny. No, he's an expensive purchase, and I, I think he's showing that he was worth it. Um, you know, how, how many goals has he scored? Just for us now, because he's on. I think it's ten, isn't it? And he had two for Brentford. Is that right? Eight for us. I yeah. Think. So he's coming in at you know well under a million a goal already. Um, obviously, you could call out for whatever the add-ons were, but we know it's not quite the nine million that was touted. So you could safely say maybe even with his add-ons, he's about a million pound a goal. Um, and I think that's probably what you you know you'd want from him at this stage. He's going to go on. He's going to score loads of goals. I think. Um, he's going to be our card Danny Ings in promotion season. He's, I think, uh, you know, there's just not really what you can say about how well he's played so far. A lot of times you see strikers come into different teams and it takes him a little while to heat up, but uh, Gray's hit the ground running. Um, you know, he's, he's getting goals and uh, all we're waiting on is that elusive first football league hat-trick. Um, but I think it's only a matter of time before that comes as well. So I'm going to give uh, Andre an A. A for Andre, A for amazing Andre. Um, John, the weight of goals stands for itself, but what's impressive for me is the way that the team's adapted to him and he's adapted to the team very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before he joined us, I, I had my reservations, I must admit, but since he's come in, as you say, he's just slotted in seamlessly and uh, the rate at which he's been scoring goals has been quite frightening, really. Um Another little plug here, but I did write a piece a couple of weeks ago, just to just sort of you know gushing praise about him because he can, <laughs> <laughs> he can, uh, he, he can, he can just seem to sort of do everything. And as a, as a sort of team, you know, the other ten players on the pitch, you know, they can't really ask for much more from a striker than what Gray brings. You know, he can just do a bit of everything, and and obviously goals and, and shooting is a striker's bread and butter, and that has just been you know um, exemplary really. The finish against Fulham. Um, for example, uh, you know, uh, last Tuesday was was a really good goal. Um, but yeah, yeah, I've just been really, really impressed with him. Really sharp. Um, quite a quite a frightening striker in the sense that, you know, he's just so sort of quick and, and powerful. Um, so I think for me, I'm going to give him a, I'm going to give him an A, a plus if that's doable. Is that doable? It is doable. It is. A, a plus is the top grade. Um, Kevin, pace and power, Jordan's just mentioned it, it was probably attributes the squad was lacking, so he's filled that gap and as, as the others have said, you couldn't really ask for more at this stage, could you? I think we're all delighted with how Grace settled in. Yeah, we've all been crying out for some pace for quite some time, but um, I think what, what you said a minute ago as well about the way the team has adapted to him is, is, is really important as well, because I think that's difficult for that to happen when a player comes in um, partway through the season. Um you know, obviously, we've done a whole pre-season preparing for a team, uh, preparing a team for a squad that doesn't have Gray in it, uh, and then he's come in and the team has, has adapted to his game, which is very different to anybody we've had. I think James mentioned earlier is very different to anybody we've had for quite some time. Um, 
so the fact they've adapted him so quickly and he's he's adapted to the team so quickly um is key as well because obviously Gray said that the way that we play is completely different to the way he's been playing um he's been playing his former clubs as well so we've both had to do some adapting but it's happened so quickly and so effectively uh and it's fantastic obviously you've got to give him the, the, the maximum marks of uh a plus, A star, whatever you can get these days. Um, <laughs> a star, star. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I think it's difficult to mark him down for anything. I think he's clearly our best player, clearly the best striker in the league. I think he's got to be an A star at this point, and and unless he gets injured, I think he'll be up there with the top goal scorers. And I think he's going to fire us a promotion. I think he's been that good. Um, we'll do a couple of subs briefly. I know the podcast is getting on in length, so I hope you've broken it up into um, digestible portions. But we'll, we'll do the manager next, Sean Dyche. James, we didn't start the season that well, but since then, results have been piling up. We're unbeaten in seven. I think the clean sheets are coming, and it's everything we expected from Sean Dash. Yeah, and you know, you you hear a lot about a manager struggling to to get the team back up when they've been relegated, and uh, I don't think that's looking like a problem for for Dash at the moment. So I'm going to give him an A because I think he's continued to do outstanding work with obviously not the biggest budget in the world, though it is considerably bigger than last time we got promoted one of the things I'm really happy about Dash is that the the thing about substitutes we've talked about um, Matt Taylor who we'll come on to in the subs bit but he's got those the extra option now and he's used him quite well and we are getting results because of people he's bringing off the bench which we've not really done before Jordan no that's right um, for me I think Dash is uh, one of if not the very best manager outside of the, the football league and uh, sorry, outside of the Premier League. Um, yeah, his, his substitutions um, uh, something that I think fans have, have pulled him up for in the past, but um, this season they just seem to be working very effective. I think it's because we've got the personnel now to bring on as well, but that helps. Um, but I certainly think the timing of them has, has changed a bit, and you know we're now making changes when we need to, uh, when we should be doing. Um, for me, I, I can't give him anything lower than, than an A plus. I think. I suppose there's not really anything new to say about Dash at this point, Kevin, but the the hunger's obviously still there. Yeah, and I think actually um, you can give uh, I think he, he, a lot of the credit could go to actually last season. In fact, I think he did a lot of um, obviously he knew last season that there was a very good chance we were going to come down, and like like I think James said, it's very difficult for for managers to get the team back up after after a relegation. But I think what he did like very well last season was manage expectations. Uh, within the squad and I think it was one of those things where if you're working all season towards staying up and you're, you're telling the lads you know we're going to stay up we need to stay up and then it doesn't happen then that can be a huge blow but I think the way he managed the team last season was very was very good in that it was always it was almost if we stay up it would be incredible um, it'd be a it'd be a fantastic job and I think because of that we we didn't have as big a low in, in the season as a lot of teams do um, which I think is a, a huge credit to Sean Dyche it's something that probably gets overlooked quite a lot um, and yeah, I think he's he's he's, he's been able to change, change the game quite a bit more this season. I think earlier in the season he actually made a sub on an hour, which is uh, which is sub on an hour. <laughs> yeah, I'm still getting over that. Um, but yeah, I think he, he he's learning as a manager. I think we've always said that he's been a fantastic manager, but he's still he's still learning. I think we've always said there's been a, a few naive um, parts to his game, and I think we're seeing those little bits improve as well. Maybe last season he was reluctant to uh, experiment too much because the Premier League is such an unforgiving league. And he's learned quite a lot in the last couple of years. And I think we're certainly seeing a lot more dynamic Daesh. Um, he's, he's, he's never going to be reminded you to change his team every game. Um, 
but I think he's changing changing games um, a lot more than he used to. So yeah, it, it's got to be got to be an A. I agree, an A for Sean Dyche. And I think the only thing I'd like to see him be still a, a little bit more flexible. But I think we all know that's not really Dyche. And if he didn't broke. Why fix it? Um, we'll move on to the subs then. We're only going to do a couple of them because um, although we've just talked about using subs very well, most of them have only played bits and pieces apart from the two we're going to pick out. Um, James, we already know you're a fan of Michael Cowley maybe you think he should be in the team. He's, he's maybe been hard done by to not play as much as he could have. Yeah, and, and for that reason, I'm going to give him a B plus, which, you know, may seem... Uh, may seem generous for someone who's not played a lot recently but I think at the beginning of the season when we were quite average um, and George Boyd was absolutely completely invisible at that point he has at least turned up a little since um, I thought Cowley was the, the you know the bright spark I put he beat his man maybe the end product wasn't quite what he'd hoped for but you know, he hadn't played a huge amount of football last season either and I, you know, I thought he was playing well I thought he was um, a little bit of a live wire for us so it was, it was definitely disappointing to see that he was the one who missed out instead of George Boyd, and, and now he's not really got a chance from the bench either. Either so, you know, I think he has been a little bit hard done by. John, he's out of favour at the moment, but I suppose there's a lot of football to come. Yeah, that's right. Um, it only takes maybe an injury to Scott Arfield, and all of a sudden Cowley's back in the side. Um, as James said, I think it was maybe a touch harsh that he got dropped in the first place. But when Arfield sort of became freed up again, took back on the wing, I think that was the only sort of logical uh, step really to, to put Cal on the bench but um, I th- certainly think he's, he's played better than what he has done this season um, he's a very good sort of uh, winger at this level uh, we know that um, first hand um, I think it's just a case of him maybe I think maybe some sub appearances um, you know maybe come off the bench and looking to sort of make a mark in a sh- short space of time might sort of give him that motivation to really kick on um, but I just think when he plays a few games consecutively, he can sort of be a bit more hit and miss. Whereas, as I say, if it's in maybe smaller parts of him making these 15, 20 minute cameos, it can have a bit more an effect. Um, so I think I'm going to give him a B minus, I think. Kevin, let's have your thoughts on Kitely and the last player we're going to touch on, Matt Taylor. I was a fan of Kitely in the promotion season. Um, I, I, I wasn't, I've not been that impressed with him this season. I think. Um, he was better than Boyd at the start of the season, uh, and, and that's about it. Um, for me, it's a C, which I rate a C as good enough, which I think he's been good enough, but um, I don't think he's been good. Um, um, Taylor, on the other hand, I think he's definitely a B plus. I think he's he's been contributing very well. He's been an outstanding sub- substitution. I'd love to. I want to see him starting games. Uh, I don't know if there's a fitness issue there, um, but the contribution he's had from the bench is, is fantastic and it's definitely a, a, a B plus for, for, for Taylor for me we're talking about a C then for Kitely um, Taylor Jordan yeah I mentioned earlier in the podcast uh, what a, an effect he's had from the bench and absolutely stand by that his goals have been very valuable uh, I think more or less each one has, has earned us at least something from the game um, I think it's a just reward as well because last season he missed a lot of game time through injury uh, but I think he's a really good option to have from the bench. His left foot is magnificent. Um, so I'm going to give Michael, uh, sorry, Matthew Taylor even, I'm going to give him a B-plus this season. There can't be many teams in the Championship with a sub of the quality and experience of Matt Taylor, can there, James? Um, no, he's a you know very experienced player. I don't think you'd say he's ever been an outstanding player, but he's solid. Um, you know, I think he knows what he's capable of. 
you know, I think he knows what his strengths are, what his weaknesses are. And um, he's kind of a known entity, isn't he? You know what you're going to get. And he's come up with some pretty key great games, uh, great goals as well in games. So, you know, he's been very impressive in, in what has been a limited role. So I'm going to give him uh, a B. My final rule in there, a B plus for Matt Taylor. That's about all we've got time for then. Please do get in touch if you've got any um, comments or thoughts on what we've been saying. I think most of all we were talking Bs for most players. Gray um, and Duff were A's, weren't they? And an A for Sean Dyche as well. George Boyd by quite a distance. Uh, um, the worst player according to us today with a D, I think we agreed, on Boyd. So do get in touch if you've got... Um, if you want to reply with, with your own ratings, you can do that through Twitter. At NoNameNevernet is our Twitter name. You can do it through Facebook as well. Slash NoNameNevernet is the Facebook address. Our email address is podcast at NoNameNever.net. Please do email us if you want to have, ever come on the podcast or you've got any feedback or comments to make, especially if they're good. Um, but yeah, that's it for this week. So thanks to James, Jordan and Kevin for joining us for what's been a long podcast. Hope you've stuck with us to the end. Thanks for the, Thanks to... Neville G for sponsoring us as ever and we will catch you after the international break in two weeks time but thank you for listening, goodbye (laughs) Sorry I'm just laughing at um, Darth Vader Away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home, the same goes for McDonald's, maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.